This time on episode 403 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Hawkeye Season 1 Episode 3 Echoes and weekly Marvel news, including Colby Smulders reprising her role, Disney Plus cutting two pre-MCU films, and WandaVision's Katherine Hahn learning about her show. I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Consultant Chris. I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes, as shown on Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Thursday, December 2nd, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Spectrum News-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey guys, happy National Special Education Day. Good holiday. Education is important for everybody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I. No, I've talked about it before, but my sister, who's 10 years younger, was a special needs. She's mentally handicapped, and she definitely benefited from the Special Education Act that came out in uh, 1975 and had been improved into the 90s. So my thanks to those that have paved the path along this way, and I know it's improved since then. If you are involved in special education, there is a very special place in my heart for you so thank you for what you do and this is your special day december 2nd all right so with that out of the way we love talking about marvel because of trick arrows if you like to talk to us about trick arrows you can visit our website legendsofshield.com you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1 that's 844-843-2871 we're on twitter at legends of shield we're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Now, if I could only get a trick arrow to do the live switching and bump playing, you think Cockeyes can make one of those for me? You might have to go a multi-arrow set. You don't want one for editing? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the next stage. I mean, first is the live production and then is the editing. So yes, I would definitely want to do that. I still say a multi-arrow set's going to be the way to go here. Shoot it toward the computer and then another arrow to split it up so that it can press all the buttons that it needs to do. Nice. What we need is a Swiss Army arrow. Yeah, that, that's kind of what it is. And then we'll talk about what I consider to be a Swiss Army arrow as we talk about the podcast. So why don't we just get into it? Here we go.
Hawkeye episode three premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. As we're recording this, that was yesterday. It was titled Echoes and the IMDB description is after escaping from a new threat, Clint and Kate join forces against an expanding criminal conspiracy. Lauren, who directed this episode? This episode was directed by Bert and Birdie, who are a uh, directing team to women. They both have eight directing credits starting in 2006, including two of the great, which I have been meaning to watch. I hadn't seen anything that they've done before, but based on this episode, they know what they're doing. Michelle, who wrote the episode? This episode had two writers. It seems to be a team. First, Katrina Mathewson has seven writing credits starting in 2010. And Tanner Bean also has seven writing credits starting in 2010. So I thought it was pretty telling that we had a team of directors that have worked together before and a team of writers that have worked together before. So it was a team effort, literally and figuratively, for this episode. By the way, the Hawkeye showrunner is Jonathan Igla. All right. As we've done before the last few weeks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off a short synopsis of the episode that I wrote to put together so that we know what happened from A to B to Z in this episode. So we're not caught talking about it throughout our discussion. You guys ready for this? Let's do it. All right, (laughs) here we go. In 2007, Maya succeeds in class despite her hearing disability. And her father teaches her what sound a dragon makes at least 14 years before we hear it on Shang-Chi. In the gym, she is at the top of her martial arts class despite the additional disability of a prosthetic foot as the audience is heavily teased about Wilson Fisk being her uncle and that sweet, sweet, sweet Netflix Defenders potential crossover that we've been wanting for quite some time. In the present day, Maya has turned out to be a formidable foe, but is not on time to save her father from Ronin. Clint spends some quality time riding mechanical ponies with Kate while failing to clear her name from the Ronin suit. Clint breaks free in a warehouse fight scene reminiscent of the CW show Arrow's first season and loses his hearing aid because he isn't playing well with the other kids at the circus. Clint and Kate team up in an epic Dukes of Hazard midtown car chase full of trick arrows that was heavily teased in series trailers, but so much better in the episode. And not having the right subway tokens, Clint and Kate swing onto the train to get home in time to walk Lucky the Pizza Dog. Clint's lost hearing aid makes a phone call with son Nathaniel difficult, but Kate helps him through and knows how important it is for Clint to get home for the holidays. Maya and Kazi work out who's in charge, which is always a consideration in criminal organizations, and they need to talk to Stan Lee to find more about Clint Barton. Hawkeye's original comic book costume is teased one more time through Kate's bad sketching, and Clint and Kate break into Kate's childhood home to raid the computer while Rose in his mouth Jack confronts Clint with his old Ronin sword. All right, guys, how'd you like the episode? We'll start with Michelle. I thought the Echo backstory was interesting. The chase was fun. It's, <laughs> I had this concern with Falcon and Winter Soldier for three episodes in 
what are we going to do for the next three? Because don't really know the exact plot yet. Crossing my fingers. I'm just looking at this thing as an extended movie. I mean, to me, this is like the first half hour of a movie where, yeah, maybe you don't know where it's going, but it's half an hour. You're fine. But also, I don't know anything about the Echo character at all. So I think, I hope anyway, this is a good introduction for me because I'm really interested in seeing what happens with this character. I loved this episode. I loved Echo's flashback. I'm really curious to see where we're going with her since we know she's getting her own series. I liked the hints of the um, just off-screen Godfather. We'll see if it's actually Kingpin in this version or not. And I adored the car scene and the phone call scene. I love the episode, too. It was just wall-to-wall action for me or story movement, one of the two. And I just enjoyed it. It was fun to watch. And I've watched it a couple of times since. And this is one that I could have on the background as I'm editing the show throughout the week here. So it's going to be a fun one to rewatch. I do understand it's like, okay, we're in the we're in the middle of the movie. So where are we and where we're going sort of thing? I think this is a great stopping point to sit down and discuss where this might be going and all the possibilities as we're going forward with the series. So let's talk about the episode in depth. We're going to start with a new cast member. Michelle, who did we enter into the series? Well, the dad was played by Zahn McClarnon. He has 89 acting credits from Dr. Sleep and all these other things. Uh, the most recent thing that I've seen him in is Reservation Dogs. He plays Big, who is the police officer in the reservation. He's just, he's got this deadpan delivery. It's such an amazing show. It's on Hulu. I highly recommend it. Yeah, and he's amazing in it. So when I saw him, it was just, I was there. The moment I saw him on screen, I was drawn to him. He knew exactly how to talk to the little kid. And then later on, when he was going through his death scene, he actually handled it really well of just trying to get her into a better place and stuff like that. I thought it was great. It was a perfect casting for the role, I thought. It was good. I haven't seen Reservation Dogs, but I did enjoy him in this. And talking about the emotions, Chris. When Clint was on the phone call with his son, I know you don't have any kids, but as a father, all the feels came out with that one. I can, I think, kind of get a little bit of an understanding there because I do have some cats that I really love. But first off, you've got the emotion of Kate realizes this is a big enough deal to Clint that she's starting to write everything down so that he can fake the phone call, which talking to a few people at work today. They kind of felt like that was a dishonest thing and, you know, letting Clint lie to his kid like that. But this is one of those little times when I think it's okay to lie to your kids. And yes, I heard you. But man, when he told Nate that it was good to hear his voice, if I'd actually had kids, I probably would have shed a tear. That being said, I was real close now and I don't have any. I think he was just verbalizing what he want. He desperately wanted to hear his son and he couldn't. And they talked about it and the... I think it was in the diner talking about what she was going to have to give up for the life. And he was thinking in terms of his family at that point. 
And his whole sole goal here is to get back to his family, but they both know they're in the middle of big stuff here and they need to get it done. Lauren, what'd you think about that touching moment? I have a lot of problems with Jeremy Renner. I believe we've spoken about them in the past. There's some domestic violence stuff. That said, he absolutely killed that scene. I also don't have kids, but that longing to hear somebody who's that close to you, to let them know that they're okay, to know that you might be lying to them and knowing what you're missing not being there. I feel like people can relate to that, even if you don't have kids. I think it was perfectly fine for him to say, I'm happy to hear your voice. It's what his son needed. It's not a huge lie. I have a father who's a huge liar. So I'm pretty good judge of of when the lie is bad and when the lie is just okay. And this is a fine moment. All right. And talking about hearing, of course, we enter in our character who is deaf and then also has a physical disability as well. But I think this is a perfect time to talk about the deaf community. Okay, so this is something I'm really glad that they're addressing. If you're familiar with the deaf community, big D, little d, whichever. So historically speaking, deaf people have been very, very isolated with Very few people actually making an effort to actually learn how to communicate with them. And that is one of the reasons why in all of the disability communities, the deaf community has kind of a special place. In the past few decades, there's been a lot of discussions about cochlear implants, hearing aids, things like that. There's a fantastic movie on Amazon Prime called The Sound of Metal about a heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing. And one of the things in there is he's like, I want the hearing aid, I want the hearing aid or a cochlear implant. And they're able to kind of show you how that would sound. They do fantastic sound work in it. And here we have Echo having that, it's not superiority. She's accepting. She's been deaf as far as we know from birth. Whereas Clint has become hard of hearing over the years because of explosions and things like that, which, again, is a thing that happens. So she sees him as conforming or pretending that it's not there. She's like, I have embraced everything about myself that makes me different from other people, whether it's the hearing, whether it's being an amputee, whatever, which Again, I was like, okay, is she, is the actress actually an amputee? Yes, she is. I think that is eventually going to be their point of connection. But since Ronan killed her father, I don't think they're going to be friends anytime soon. I don't know anybody who's deaf. So this isn't a group of people that I'm familiar with at all. My wife, though, has done some teaching. And the kid that she's watching now just hasn't started talking yet, even though he's at the age when he should. They know he's not deaf, but I mean, that's a story for other people, I guess. But they are teaching him sign language, which is something that he is doing. So the first thing that she popped up with is, oh, look, they're using real sign language. I really like that. And that was really a big point for her because 
she likes seeing this accessibility. I mean, I do too, but you know, we both like seeing this accessibility stuff portrayed in ways that it factually is out in the world and not just somebody up there, like some of these fake sign language interpreter videos you see on YouTube, just waving their hands around. You know, this is Marvel and Disney taking the effort to care enough to say, hi, we're going to use real sign language in here. Yeah, that was good to see as an educator myself, you know, seeing the struggle some students have. I actually work online now. And so it's interesting when I learn about students and what they go through. And one of the reasons why sometimes students go online is just because it's like it's easier for what they need in order to learn. It's easy to adapt when they're online learning. One of the things it's okay. If you go and look at things like a quiet place or the shape of water, one of the complaints that I see a lot in the deaf community is that, okay, it's like somebody with, like me, with my American accent, trying to read a book in Japanese. You are going to tell that I am not a native speaker when I try to say it out loud. And it's that same way with sign language, which in this case is ASL. There are different kinds of sign language. There's because, again, the deaf communities were so cut off from the hearing communities that you have sign language. I want to say there is a particular dialect of it in Spain that is like, again, it's people who've taught themselves all this time. It's a language that evolved very organically. And I can't recommend enough for people to learn at least the ABCs in sign language. It's easy. You can start to do a bare minimum of communication. And for me personally, it's also a grounding technique that I have when I start to get panic attacks. I say the alphabet backwards in English, Spanish, and ASL. This episode made me want to learn ASL. Absolutely. Just to be conversant with people that I might come across. There are a few people in my work that have hearing disabilities and they have a few people around them that can sign, but mostly they operate under lip reading. And I've always wanted to do that. And this just lit a fire under my rear end to maybe learn a few signs that I can become conversant. And it's not so much me signing, although that is an issue. It's me reading the signs as they're given as well. So yeah, we'll see how that turns out. There's a couple of things that I wanted to mention that you brought up, Lauren. One was the whole Maya forgiving Ronan, which is Clint, because they're going to find that out. I think Yelena is going to, we mentioned it last time, I think Yelena is going to come into this series at some point. I don't know if it's going to be the next episode or the following episode. It'd be kind of a shame to wait until the final episode to bring her in. But I think that combined with the joint enemy of whoever it is. And I think it's going to be Jack. I think the uncle is either Jack or Kingpin slash Wilson Fisk. One of the two. I don't know which one it's going to be right now. Signs are pointing to Jack, but I'm going to leave the floor open to either or at this point. So I think they're going to work together, but I don't think Maya's ever going to forgive him. And that's something from his past that is he's going to have to live with of uh, being able to continue on. I think it would be really on Disney alike to kill Clint Barton <laughs> before he gets back to his family in this series. But 
I'm going to admit it's a possibility at this point where both Yelena and Maya and his confrontation with Jack could end up there at this point. Who knows? The other thing that I thought was kind of neat to bring it back to sign language was the interrogation where Maya let him use his hands to try to communicate. And he did. He tried very poorly, but he did try. So that was interesting that Maya, as a disabled person, just knew that in the talking back and forth, it was just going to be decent. I think she knew, by the way, that Clint just gave himself up and that he could escape at any time. So why bother having him handcuffed when you know he's going to get away eventually anyway? So she just acquiesced to all that, I think. Although later on, she said, find more about Clint Barton. So I don't know. Yeah, she did basically the equivalent of when you've taped somebody's mouth shut. She did the equivalent of pulling off the tape. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, Michelle, we podcasted for many, many years on the show called Arrow. And I keep bringing it back to that because this, this, there's so many similarities in the series to the Green Arrow or the Arrow series on CW. But one thing in particular that made its way into this episode we already mentioned it once twice and this is going to be three times the trick arrows so michelle tell us all about the trick arrows oh gosh where to begin we've got the putty one which apparently isn't supposed to be shot at the windshield it's supposed to be at the tires you know too that was interesting about that whole sequence is you know kate's getting an arrow and then learning what it is afterwards but it's just like, oh, you know, the plunger one. What did that do? Oh, there's this one. What is, you know, and then like the one that blows up and, and then Clint's like, no, you can't use these because they're too dangerous. And she's just like, there's more dangerous than that one. And then really to top it all off, not only do we get a trick arrow, but we get a trick shot because Clint says, aim it high. And then she aims that arrow high and then he hits it with an arrow of pin particles and it comes down and it's huge. And that was just, it's like, well, you can't see that on arrow. I love the fact that he gives her the trick USB arrow from Avengers. This is a, a rehash of a trick arrow. It was the USB arrow that they he used when he was under the influence of Loki, the one that he shot into the ship to get some information out of the ship. I like that they reuse that arrow and I like that it was totally useless in, in this aspect, but I was wondering where the claws, cause in Avengers it had claws that came out and they just didn't bother with the claws. It was just useless arrow. So I like that. Chris, what was your favorite trick arrow? I think my favorite one was the one they used in the Christmas tree lot. I really want to know what he calls it because I think it's going to be a spidery name just because that makes sense. But I can think of so many cool uses for hit something and then reach out and grab a lot of other things and bring them together. Okay, so this is a pretty clear reference to one of my favorite things from the Matt Fraction, David Aha, Hawkeye run. There's a part where Clint's going over his trick arrows with Kate and there's a boomerang arrow and she's like, why the hell do you need an arrow that comes back to you? And he's like, because boomerangs. And later, there's a very similar scene to when she shoots the arrow and then he shoots it and it ricochets, you know, all that. He finds in the comic, he uses the boomerang arrow. So, my favorite, which has not been shown yet, is the boomerang arrow because boomerangs. Okay. All right. I love the action sequences. I think all of us did. You had the fight in the 
circus warehouse. You had the wonderful car chase. You had the escape through the subway. All of that was amazing. Great choreography. The fight in the warehouse reminded me so much of Arrow. I mean, I keep on going back to that, but it was real. It was done really well, and it wasn't like pummeling like Daredevil or Punisher. It was just done really well, kind of a quasi ninja sort of fight that you would get, even though it was the tracksuit mafia. And the car chase was great, except for they ruined their freaking charger. <laughs> hey, they tried. Give them some credit. So that warehouse is actually a KB Toys, if you look in the background. Oh, okay. For those of you who are young listeners, KB Toys was a toy store that used to be at every mall in America ever. And I loved it when I was a kid and it's gone now. Just like Toys or Us. Right. Ooh. And FAO Schwartz in New York City, right? So I was thinking that they were in a warehouse and they mentioned this last episode where we can't find the warehouse anymore. Our neighborhood's all upscaling. I'm like, why don't you just go into a defunct <laughs> mall or something or, or a, a store that has been defunct or a car dealership that has been defunct? Apparently they did. So my bad. <laughs> Way to go, Lauren. Yeah, that and the uh, the Imagine Dragons conversation <laughs> just killed me. I like Imagine Dragons. Is Imagine Dragons the new Nickelback? Apparently. I don't quite get it because they're not bad. They're overplayed, sure. They're over, I but think they're it's not because bad. they're overplayed. That said, I really do like the music video for Radioactive, which involves Lou Diamond Phillips and a Muppet fighting pit. Sold right there. Yeah. Yep. I want to say Radioactive was used in the early Defiance commercials. It was. And Marvel Connection... Radioactive was originally written for the Spider-Man musical before they decided to go with you too. Thunder was about Thor. There's a bunch of other ones that it's like they were like, well, we'll just take all our music and turn it into non-Marvel music. Talking about musicals, so Rogers the Musical, I saw a really neat meme online, so I posted it in our Discord server. It's a picture of one of the prequel Star Wars clone robots, right? And it says Roger Roger. On top of the musical. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty neat. I just want to say that I volunteer anytime, day or week, to twice on Sundays to walk Lucky the Pizza Dog. Whenever they, I will be the designated Lucky the Pizza Dog walker for Kate and Clint. That dog is so cute. I love retrievers. My dog that I have is half Labrador. And Golden Retrievers are adorable, and Lucky is adorable. Jolt, the actual dog, is adorable. Just excellent choice having a dog. Just good. Now, the way the episode ends is very interesting, because you got Clint being held up by his, his sword, the Ronin sword, and Jack's got the sword. So I'm kind of interested to see what happens in the following scene, like what happens at the start of episode four. It's gonna be fun i i'm just waiting to find out there but in the meantime let's talk about the totality of the show lauren you have a theme that you want to bring forward i know i talk a lot about themes on the show this one is definitely about the past and how it defines you in the present so we have kate who she felt little and powerless and her dad died because of the Chitauri invasion. So she's like, everything that I do from now on is going to be with the goal of protecting the people that I love. And 
we saw that with the opening montage of her learning martial arts and gymnastics and archery. With Clint, it's his past as Ronin and all of that trauma has affected him really badly here. There's the suit, there's the sword, there's facing somebody whose father he killed and how all of that has affected his ability to move on and be with his family. And with Echo, her dad was killed right in front of her. We see when she's little and, you know, learning martial arts, everything. But the thing that's really affected her is the death of her dad. That trauma is resulting in her wanting to find Ronan and stop him if he's back. I'm looking forward to seeing what conclusion that they draw about all of this. Is it going to be something along the lines of you have to let the past go? Is it going to be something along the lines of you are more than your past? Is it going to be something completely different? I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, trying to overcome one's past is a lot of work. It's just interesting how it seems as though Kate is giving the impression that she's already dealt with it. She's just focused on current trying to pin everything on Jack and all that type of stuff. And I just want to bring up something. I know this is a random thought, but I had such felicity flashbacks when kate was doing all like the hackety 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 thing oh this password should work and look at all the stuff and like in the previous episodes where she's on the phone and she's doing that i'm like going oh my gosh this is okay i know they're not going to have a romance but oh my goodness this is like felicity and all of her but non-romantic it's just Oh, my goodness. The one reason I knew it wasn't Felicity is she didn't have a Microsoft Surface tablet to work on. Or a red pen. Yeah. Chris, what do you think about the main themes here that Lauren was talking about? I think this interaction between Kate and Clint is getting to be really important here. Clint just learning to accept that he needs to let people help him out. And Kate learning to accept that she doesn't always know what she's doing and sometimes she has to actually listen to other people and seeing those two mesh together like they have in just pure human ways like kate realizing she can text clint when they're sitting on the stoop because he's not going to be able to hear her but she still wants to make her dumb little joke i mean that's something that you do as you start to become friends with people and i'm really wanting to see this friendship grow all right, I know Michelle has a question that she wants to ask me. It's just burning. She needs to ask me, and it has to do with the Hallmark Channel. So, Michelle, go ahead here. So, on the store card, how are, how are we doing? Is this still Hallmark quality? Of course, I see a little lethal weapon, especially the Christmas tree thing, but I want to know, SP, how's it doing in the Hallmark category? Well, once again, there's no romance with the protagonist we do see other rom- like the villains have romance going now or perceived villains we have romance going and everything like that but i will say that we have checked the box on the christmas tree lot shopping i think that is a box checked also the diner scene is commonly seen in hallmark channel movies for the holidays so i think we've checked both of those boxes with this episode and uh, Sometimes there's 
there's a dog walk, there's a pet walk and stuff like that, but I, I won't call that a check mark. So the diner scene and the Christmas tree lot are two check marks that have happened. And, and I want to say cookies at some point, but uh, you know, they're not there. They didn't have cookies that they baked in the apartment. All right. So we're going to go final thoughts here. My question for you guys this week is, is the uncle Wilson Fisk or Jack? So final thoughts and who is the uncle? Chris, we're going to start with you. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have more than one uncle. But honestly, I think the one that they're going to be alluding to here is Jack. Just because I think this is a little too early for them to want to try to bring out the possible, oh my gosh, where's the Netflix shows coming into all of this connections? So I think it's going to be Jack. Okay, final thoughts on the episode. I'm just really wanting to go back and read the Matt Fraction, David Aha stuff now because it's not something I've read before and this is really making me want to read it. And I'm really hoping the Tracksuit Mafia is kind of silly in the comics like they are here in the show because I might be falling in love with the Tracksuit Mafia. Okay, you will love the Tracksuit Mafia. The Tracksuit Vampires in the comics, they're not literal vampires. What was the question? Okay, Lauren, the question that we have to answer here, or I'm making you answer here. right. Is that Wilson Fisk? I'm hoping it is. I am not going to, like, make any bets on it because I think that's unwise. But in my heart of hearts, I really hope it is. And I really hope it's still Vincent D'Onofrio. I don't think it's any of the Duquesnes. I don't think it is. If it's not either of those, maybe it's somebody who will have a connection in Moon Knight or Blade or one of the ones where, or She-Hulk. She-Hulk is, would be something to have a good connection to. We'll see. I don't know. Final thoughts on the episode? Oh, God. I loved it. I was delighted pretty much the whole way through while watching it. I'm really, really enjoying Haley Stanfield, who, by the way, I meant to mention this last week, was in the runnings to play Katniss in Hunger Games, which makes this kind of doubly hilarious for me. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing where it all goes. It's based on a run that I love so much and I love Kate so much. And I'm just, I'm so excited and happy. Well, personally, I'm glad we got Haley in Pitch Perfect versus Jennifer Lawrence. Michelle, question and final thoughts on the episode. I do not think the uncle is Jack. I think that would just be too... I don't know, neat. I would love for it to be Wilson Fisk, but probably not. As for the episode, I enjoyed it. I don't want to give the impression that I did not enjoy it. I enjoyed this a lot. It was a great action sequence. We had the car chase. We had the good fight. Again, you know, SP is bringing up Arrow season one and two and me wanting James Banford to direct one of these episodes really bad. But I'm just concerned when you listened back to my thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was very much about like pacing and plot and how to do this and everything. So that's just me being me with the whole, I hope they don't rush it. And I just hope it's organic and such. That's my thing. I'm going to bring it back to the car chase again. I know we've been talking a lot about it, but. At the beginning, when they start taking off in the Cadillac or Lincoln or whatever it was, 
the camera just spun around very slowly in 360. So I don't know how much of that is CGI and how much of that is actually one shot, but it was a long action sequence that you could see had been continuously done, at least visually, like it could have been effects, right? But it was amazing if it was one shot. Now, the whole car scene chase was not one shot, but the very beginning was one shot all the way to the point where the two trucks came up to the car on the street the panel truck in the uh the van i think that's was it was, no it was a pickup truck pickup truck in the van or the panel truck came up to the lincoln so well done for the choreography team on that if that was the case and also very similar in the warehouse really reminiscent of like some of the arrow fights and going back to the origins of this podcast there was a lot of one-shot action scenes done in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from time to time, and those were fantastic, too. So whenever a show actually gets some of that done without doing quick cuts along the way, my extreme kudos is to them. So that was good. I thought it was a, a decent episode. I'm looking forward to the last three. This hasn't been a waste of time, as far as I'm concerned. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in the background in here of the existing characters of the existing universe and i'm just waiting for it to show up in the next three episodes so with that we will be talking about hawkeye episode four no show title yet and it probably won't come out until the tuesday before the episode comes out so we don't know it at the time of recording here but we will talk about it next week in the meantime we have some marvel news to talk about Okay, so kind of relating back to Hawkeye, well, it very much relates back to Hawkeye. Hawkeye director clears up exactly when the show fits in the MCU timeline. Hawkeye series director Reese Thomas has clarified exactly when the show is happening. It was rumored for a while, people were thinking like, is it two years after the blip? So it takes place in 2025. But he has confirmed that the show unfolds in the MCU's version of 2024 though for a period of time they were going to set it about two years out but no just one year out from the blip so 2024 i'm just going to call it present day like it's 2021 as we're doing this podcast but i do understand the mcu it's 2024 apparently one of the reasons that people were thinking that is because in a lot of the preview images and stuff they were in Chinatown at one point, and there was a sign that said Happy New Year 2025, as well as text referring to it as a snake year on the Chinese zodiac, which, yeah, it's going to be 2025. But it takes place at the end of 2024. Okay. So we also have news of another upcoming Disney Plus series. We are going to have a Secret Invasion series. I believe we've talked about it. And Kobe Smulders, our very own Marie Hill, is returning. It's got her confirmed. We've also had Olivia Coleman, Amelia Clark. They're going to be coming into it. We'll see how closely, if at all, it follows the comic Secret Invasion storyline. Who knows? I'm just looking forward to seeing Maria Hill again. 
I'm wondering if, she, if Co- not Maria Hill, but Colby, if she's going to show up in the How I Met Your Father series that's genning up just as a guest appearance or something. I don't know if those two series are going to be in the same universe or anything like that, but it'd be kind of nice for Robin Sparkles. Let's all go to the mall to actually have a reprise appearance as an adult in How I Met Your Father. Okay, I see that's uh, falling flat here. I'm not sure any of us have ever watched it. Oh, How I Met Your Mother? No. Okay, well, that's a story for another time. All I know about it is that because of it, there, for a while, were a whole bunch of AU fanfics of people finding out Maria Hill's past as a uh, teen singer in the 80s. (laughs) That's literally all I know. That and the ending was divisive. Well, it's a good show, and you can just stop. I'll talk to you later about when to stop watching but if you just stop at some point before the actual canon end of the show and just pretend that it ends early you're perfectly fine and you get a really good ending exactly so like game of thrones got it episode 200 is a ballpark good thing anyway let's talk about another great actor katherine hahn our very own agatha harkness revealed that she discovered the name of her spin-off series agatha house of harkness At the same time, it was announced to the public. She was in an interview on the Drew Barrymore show and was talking about how excited she was to come back, but also mentioned that um, she mentioned about the Marvel sniper. She said, I didn't even know the title of the show till it was released to the public. They keep it so tight. Han also touched on why the role of Agatha appeals to her and why she wants to continue. There's something that does feel so badass to be playing like, you know, we think of a witch. You think immediately, you think of a woman who is loud, who's mysterious, and who's dangerous because she's complicated and misunderstood. And all of that stuff is a real turn-on to me as a performer in terms of digging into this person a little bit more. And again, possibly risking the wrath of the Marvel snipers. She played very coy when asked if Mephisto was going to be in the series. She said, I had no idea. Who knows? So we'll see. I'm not usually a watcher of the Drew Barrymore show. I did watch this eight and a half minute YouTube clip of it as the two are interacting back and forth. Drew and Catherine Hahn, they are two peas in the pod. They might as well be lifelong friends between the two of them and they get along great. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing the two of them in a movie together as leads. It would be a really fun movie. If you haven't watched the YouTube video, get into it. For some reason, I felt like they were in a movie together, but I think I'm getting her confused with Jennifer Aniston. Uh, We're the Millers was on TV yesterday, and she's in that with Jennifer Aniston. All right. Now, Chris, this next news story is specifically for you, because I know you're just dying to see these films. There are two pre-MCU Marvel films that are now gone from Disney+. Plus. You can't get them in Disney+, Plus anymore. Are you okay? I mean, are you going to be able to get through the weekend because you know this now? Getting through the weekend is going to be okay, but I am actually really annoyed because there are video game tie-ins for 2005 Fantastic Four and the 2007 Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. And eventually, when I get that far and play comics, I'm going to have to watch those movies and I don't want to pay for it because they've been on Disney. Luckily for me, at least from what I've seen, I could still go and see that earlier Fantastic Four movie. Good for me. I like really bad movies. What can I say? Same. 
I'm so glad we have not reviewed a single Fantastic Four film or show or anything on. on this show. The Fox movies were fun. They weren't good, but they were fun. I just know they gave us good Marvel characters. You know, we got Human Torch became Captain America and uh, Filmhunger. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah, I guess if we do an epically bad Marvel movie watch, we could do that. I mean, I know I like Elektra, but I know y'all don't like Elektra. So, you know, that could be one, too. We could watch the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. Oh, we should. I'll yes. do it on purpose. Yes. Well, if we have time next winter slash spring, which we might, we might pull that card out. Anyway, that's the news for the week. And we will get more. It was kind of a short week for that because, well, we just podcasted about three days ago. But I'm, I'm guessing we'll have a lot more for next week. Well, now that we're done, we're going to uh, take Pizza Dog on a walk. You know, I got to admit, I'm getting kind of tired of thanking consultant Chris. So we got to talk about uh, maybe a change in the future. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, thank you so much, consultant Chris, for coming on board. And you have another show on the Guinea Geek Network. I do. And that other show, I alluded to it earlier. It's called Play Comics. Lately, it's been a lot of me talking to comic creators, especially about the cool things that they're making. But the show also focuses a lot on video games based on comics and how well those games represent the source material. It's a really fun time. You can go in and see, hey, you know, if I grab this X-Men game off the shelf, then how much is it going to show me about X-Men? Do I want to give my friend this game if they think they might be into X-Men? Here's a hint for at least for a lot of the early stuff. you generally don't want to give them an x-men game so is this a hint that you are putting together a possible video game comic book gift episode for the holidays i actually hadn't thought about that at all but i might need to do that now because it sounds like a really good idea you're welcome thank you to director sp for everything that you do for us keeping us moving doing the editing just all of that for anybody who likes the show, it obviously would not exist without SP moving everything along and steering the ship. So thank you for that. Sincerely. Yes, thank you. And of course, thank you to everyone who listens in any variety of ways, whether it's like YouTube or your podcatcher or however. So thank you for listening and for interacting with us on Twitter and Discord and all that. Don't forget, we have a voicemail line at 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. After you listen to the episode, after you watch the Hawkeye episode, give us a ring. Until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Consultant Chris. Bye. See everybody next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. 
The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com, and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Howdy. Hey. He's for horses. He's <laughs> for horses. Be glad you're a jackass. My words are barely working today. <laughs> That's me any given day. <laughs> yeah, God, Scott's computer. Okay, so you know how it was the Thanksgiving Steam sale? Yeah. Last week. So... Scott picked up Cyberpunk 2077, and it immediately bricked the computer. Mm -hmm. You told us that last episode. Oh, that was that far back? Yeah. You were hoping it was the graphics card. No, we're hoping it's not the graphics card. Okay. Yeah, the parts came in today, so Scott's working on trying to uh, piece it back together. Well, I have a new uh, drive I'm trying to clone. And it didn't clone. Mm. I think it's the antivirus. I'm thinking it might be. So I'm going to delete it because I don't need it anyway. If you have antivirus running on your computer, Windows Defender is just fine. You don't need anything else these days. A lot of people have said it for a while. But it interferes with stuff. So, Yeah, God, Scott's computer... Okay, so you know how it was the Thanksgiving Steam sale yeah, last week? So Scott picked up Cyberpunk 2077, and it immediately bricked the computer. Mm -hmm. You told us that last episode. Oh, that was that far back? Yeah. You were hoping it was the graphics card. No, we're hoping it's not the graphics card. Okay. Yeah, the parts came in today, so Scott's working on trying to uh, piece it back together. Well, I have a new uh, drive I'm trying to clone, and it didn't clone. Mm. I think it's the antivirus. I'm thinking it might be, so I'm going to delete it because I don't need it anyway. If you have antivirus running on your computer, Windows Defender is just fine. You don't need anything else these days. A lot of people have said it for a while. But it interferes with stuff, so. Any last things before we go? Why are my lips so dry? I don't know. It's really annoying. It's been going on for a couple days, and it's incredibly annoying. Did the humidity drop in Texas? Austin is way less humid than Houston, and that it might be. We just had rain. Like, come on. I mean, in the wintertime, I have the same issues so i keep some chapstick and lip balm and stuff in my desk drawer here so keeping your lips moist is important from a podcasting perspective because it, it reduces lip smack by the way so there is legitimacy in what lauren was saying right there mm -hmm. no i totally understand okay okay bolton was being really cute this morning oh yeah what did he do he was just being very friendly and was trying to be friendly with Pike, but Pike was like, 
having none of it. So Fulton would wag his tail and then Pike would walk away. Has Pike tried to ride Fulton yet? Sadly, no. I'm disappointed, but not terribly surprised. For some reason, the past like three months or so, my cat has seen her tail as her mortal enemy. And so like, I love that. like she has like this little, you know, cat tower and like sometimes she'll like play and then like she's fallen off. And then like at night when she lays on me, all of a sudden like all this batting and then like she'll twirl and I realize that she's going after her tail. And it's like, it's your tail. Why is your tail your mortal enemy right now? I don't understand. Pike used to do that when he was a baby. We had that cat tower that went all the way up to the ceiling and he would get up there and spin around it like this, trying to catch his tail. She's almost oh. three. Yeah. I. That's and hilarious. She's sneezing. It's, it, I think she has an allergy of something, but mm. it's like she'll have a sneezing fit and then days be okay. And then have another season. I think she's just allergic to something. Can't figure out what. I think it's just like dust or something because mm-hmm. no matter what, she just does it. I just think dust gets in there. And Cooper has not had any more psychedelic mushroom episodes. Oh, God. Since the last time. I don't know if I talked about it or not. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we think he got into mushrooms that were growing in the backyard and he came in and, and would just like, like zonk out and, and like, like he was tripping, like his eyes were dilated. He wasn't interested in any food, which was really rare for him and stuff. So I'm, I'm really worried about him. I think he's dying. I think he's having a heart attack. So I bring the bowl of water over to him like, okay, you need a drink here, thinking he might be even dehydrated or something. So both times this is it happened. It happened one night where it was just me in the house, and it happened one night when uh, Taylor was here. It's her dog, right? And so both cases, he would put his head in there, and he would like start licking water, and then didn't last long it was like about five seconds and then he'd go and then he'd start blowing <laughs> bubbles into the water <laughs> like, dude, what, what's going on and then he starts playing with imaginary stuff in the water just splashing water everywhere which was originally on the carpet i'm like okay the oh second time we're not doing this but yeah so hey, he trips out on mushrooms i'm like dude i didn't know i had that thing and so i was worried about this i was worried about him uh, having uh, a heart issue or something like that, but I read online that dogs do trip on mushrooms. No. Okay. Do you have hydrangeas in your backyard? No. Okay. I found out. So my friend Mary's dogs were. They were. She was like, yeah, you know, they're always getting like twigs in their teeth, and and I look, and it's like, I'm like, wait a minute, and I'm googling. Dogs will sometimes eat hydrangeas to get high. It's a thing. Yeah, I could totally see him doing that. How long is Cooper going to stay with you? At this point, a year and a half. It's until Taylor graduates. So she's going to be moving at the end of this month into a house. But in the area that she is in, it's more of a downtown area. And he needs more. He needs to expel more energy than she's able to do in that environment. And she's working full time, going to school full time. Classic case of a person that should not have gotten a dog so yeah it's probably about a year and a half to two years however long it's going to take for her to graduate that cooper will stay here but cooper is not my dog cooper is her dog as soon Uh as this happens Mm -hmm. cooper is Uh leaving 
Uh-huh. Well, that's sure. what they said about Kaylee's brother's dog at the <laughs> apartment. He was he had to move out of one apartment where having the dog was fine, and it was like situation out of his control that made him have to move out. But the new place he found, he couldn't have a dog as young as the one that he had. I think that's stupid, but whatever. So the dog went to live with his parents, and then by the time the dog was old enough, nobody felt like they could ethically separate the dog from the parents. It happened with my parents and Pepe, too. The one thing that's different for us is I have been a volunteer puppy raiser for Canine Companions for Independence. So I have kept dogs to a year and a half, two years, and then given them away. It's hard, but... Okay, so... I've done it before. No foster fail? So you're a heartbreaker. Yes. And, well, so she will come... Like, she came in the door for Thanksgiving, and he was all over her. Like, all over her. So he knows who his mom really is. That's good. The combination of all that stuff... I get what you guys are saying. I see the possibility there, but my line is still, he's going and it's fine with me if he goes. I really, I have to walk him two hours a day. It's two hours out of my day. Everything else. I'm allergic to him. Can you get him a doggy treadmill? I've tried. I have a treadmill and I've tried to get him on it and he just, you know, typical dog, just scared of it stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, how about a really big cat wheel? They make those. Okay. We had one. Maybe. Pike didn't use it. The other thing is he tears <laughs> up my backyard. So if I can tire him out, he tears. Oh, and this is Cooper's first Christmas. So it's Cooper's first Christmas tree. Oh. Yeah. And Christmas tree ornaments who he's already experienced. Hey, grandpa, what is this? <laughs> uh, that's an ornament and it belongs on the tree. <laughs> he's like, oh. We compromised with the cats a long time ago that we just don't put up a tree. I want to put up a tree, but at the same time, I'm scared of Pike trying to destroy it. I think Fulton will leave it alone, but Pike, he's a spicy baby. Cooper is also okay with the robot vacuum, even (laughs) when it hits him until it starts to try to climb over him. Then he has an (laughs) issue with the robot vacuum. Oh, that's funny. Like, particularly up his tail and up his back leg. And so, I don't hit. I like, what, do these robot vacuums, re, are they really meant to do this? So, yeah, I guess I, they, they try to climb over stuff. So they're trying to climb over. And he's like, nope, not happy. So he's had the robot vacuum as it's running in his mouth. <laughs> like, I don't blame him, but I'm like, no, dude. That, wow. You're not ruining this $500 vacuum. Put it down. Oh, wow. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.